All right, guys, welcome back to another episode of The Pinch Point, where we are going to funnel down all of the week's happenings in the world of bow hunting, archery, or any sort of crime that may be committed in the hunting world or by using a bow or arrow. So we're going to start off this week with a continuation of a conversation we had previously about shooting feral cats. And I don't, I'll be honest with you, I don't know what the the laws are legally around shooting feral cats in the various states. I'm not going to pretend that I know what they are, but there was a recent post that came across my news feed uh, from the social media site, I guess you would call it, or app. It's called Nextdoor. And if you guys are unfamiliar with Nextdoor, this is a social media app that's designed for communities or neighborhoods of people to be able to communicate with one another about things that are going on in the community. In my particular case where I live, and I'm assuming this is similar for most of you out there who are familiar with this, it's usually just people bitching and moaning about something in the neighborhood or their neighbors or something stupid happening in the neighborhood. Um, A common type of post you may see or read would be, oh, my neighbor was being super loud late at night and I was being really annoyed. What should I, is there anything I could do about this? And then people will chime in and be like, call the cops or uh, just ignore it. Like, don't be a narc. Or then somebody will chime in and say, hey, maybe you should go talk to them because they're your neighbor. And it really is just devolves into a bunch of bitching and moaning and fighting. Well, that's kind of what this post was. So this comes from down in, I believe, Lubbock, Texas. Uh, somebody made a post that they found a cat that was trying to, I guess, crawl under their garage door. Maybe it was cracked open or something like that. And it was stuck. It couldn't get through because it had an arrow sticking out of it. So I just want to say to the wayward archer that was out there shooting cats in Lubbock, Texas, I hope you were not inspired by our recent podcast, especially if that's illegal. Uh, you should not be doing that. Furthermore, uh, if it had an arrow sticking out of its, uh, I believe it said its left rear flank, which I thought was interesting choice of words. I don't know a lot of people that use flank in their daily vocabulary. Um, but if you did do that, clearly you made poor uh, shot selection or you did not execute your shot properly. So if you are listening to this or watching this, I would highly recommend getting Joel Turner's shot IQ system. So the next time that you shoot at an animal, you don't hit it in the rear flank because that is never a good idea. So I just thought that was uh, an interesting one to come across my newsfeed considering the conversations that we've had recently. I also thought to myself like, oh my God, this is my computer or my phone, like listening to my conversations because I got my phone probably in my pocket right now. It's hearing everything that I say and then it's showing me articles of people that are shooting cats. So um, I don't know what the laws out there uh, regarding shooting cats are. So unless you are completely sure that it is legal where you live, you should not do it. And we are not advocating for it, allegedly. Uh, So guys, next up, we're going to move on. Uh, We're going to stick with a theme of idiots shooting animals that are not game animals with a bow and arrow. A couple weeks ago, we had um, a story about a dog that was shot in, I believe, Tulare County, California. And I did see a follow-up article come across. Um, It said, if you guys remember, the dog was found with an arrow sticking out of its back. There was an actual photo of it, I believe, that the cops may have taken and posted. Kind of looked like it got backstrapped across the top. Uh, They did find the guy that, uh, that shot it, and they arrested him. I was kind of unsure as to what the story was behind this at the time. 
Uh, but the person in question, uh, where's his name here? Lance Canales, maybe? He tried to run from the cops and he got caught. He was arrested for felony, animal cruelty, and resisting arrest. Double whammy. Uh, once in custody, they say he admitted to shooting the dog with the arrow. Uh, but they also say that the dog uh, was attacking his chickens. And this is why he shot at the dog. So uh, I don't know if that makes it any better or not. Um, I'm still not sure if this was somebody's pet or just a stray dog. But I, I feel at least a little bit better knowing that the psychopath wasn't just running around shooting dogs with arrows for no reason. Once again, poor shot placement in this guy's case. So he really needs to uh, get on that shot IQ business. So next up, we're going to talk about legislation because that's one of the other hot topics. So I saw a couple things come across the news this week, specifically on Fox News and some other outlets uh, about, and, and this is how they wrote the headline, Biden's war on hunting faces blowback from Republicans and sportsmen's group. So um, I always find these interest, these headlines so interesting when you really get into dissecting the uh the insides of the story. I just find it interesting how these editors and, and authors and writers phrase their headlines. And it's like, well, I guess maybe I could kind of see it, but it's probably not exactly what's going on here. So uh, the idea here is that, um, you know, during the Trump administration, there was a bunch of public uh, federal lands that were open to hunting. And now that we're in a new administration that is less favorable to hunting and specifically uh, very concerned with, you know, quote unquote, environmental issues, what they're doing is they're trying to enact a lead ammunition ban on a lot of these federal lands, which would effectively limit people's ability to hunt on those lands, right? Because we know that any non-lead-based ammunition is when it when you can find it, when it is even available, it's super expensive. It's hard to find. It's not as good as lead. There's a reason that lead is used in ammunition. Uh, so what we have here is a bunch of, you know, misguided zealots as usual who are doing this, you know, quote unquote, under the guise of environmentalism and saving the animals and stopping lead poisoning and all these things and saying that you shouldn't be using lead ammunition or shooting lead on these federal refuges. So then what happens is they take that information and then we kind of twist it, right? We turn it into a 180 and say, well, this is a, a secret war against hunting. They don't want us hunting there. So the way they're going to achieve uh, the legislation that says you can't hunt there is by effectively making it uh, improbable for people to go be able to hunt. So we're not going to outlaw hunting per se, we're just going to make it so difficult for you that you can't go do it. That's kind of what the pro hunting advocacy groups are saying. Um, the same thing that we talked about a couple of weeks ago with this kind of ban on wolf hunting being made by politicians that don't really know what they're doing. It's kind of the same thing here. It's a lot of virtue signaling. Uh, it's a lot of legislation through emotion rather than through reason and logic, uh, because I think we all know if you were to look at the data, the problem of lead poisoning by firearms or bullets that are shot on federal lands and then ultimately entering either 
the water supply or being eaten by some sort of animal is little to none. I mean, there is there is like zero proof or evidence that says that this is happening at any sort of scale that it affects anything. Uh, sorry about the phone going off, guys. Our our uh, receptionist is out of the office today, so I'm supposed to be answering phones when it rings, but I just ignored that one. Um, so that's kind of what's going on here. Now, this also kind of dovetails into a conversation that I had a couple episodes ago about supporting uh, hunting rights advocacy groups that are out there trying to 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 represent us in these types of situations. Sportsman's Alliance is on this. There's information all over their website. There's statements from them. They've been on the news. They are actively lobbying and talking to lawmakers and legislators to try to stop this from happening. Uh, and that, again, kind of just goes back to, to what I was saying of like why it's so important that we as hunters support those types of organizations because of things like this, right? If they didn't exist and they weren't our voice in Washington, talking to the people that are making these types of decisions or influencing these decisions, we wouldn't have a voice. Um, so again, if you can donate, um, I certainly would. So again, do I think that the, that, you know, this headline reads Biden's war on hunting. That's how it starts. Do I think that Joe Biden, crazy old sleepy Joe really has a, a, a vendetta against hunters and he personally wants to ban all hunting? No, I certainly don't. They make it sound that way. That's not really what this is. This is a bunch of people that are underneath him in various places of his administration that, again, are pushing this, you know, quasi um, environmental issue um, on people really with no no evidence. So uh, that's kind of what's happening out there. Um, you know, and the the advocacy groups on our side, I would say, are just as guilty as sometimes over-exaggerating stuff, no differently than the people on the other sides are. You know, they say that, you know, this could extend beyond the National Wildlife Refuge System. Um, it could extend onto BLM and other areas, which is, guys, it's certainly possible. You know, is it likely? I don't really know enough to say whether it's likely to happen or not. I think it's it's possible, but it's also possible that a meteor falls out of the sky and kills me in the next like five minutes while I'm recording this podcast, but it is unlikely, but it's not impossible, right? So just something to keep in mind anytime you're reading these types of articles that they're going to be slanted purposefully in one direction or the other. So take everything you read with a grain of salt whether it's something that you believe or not, if it sounds good to you and it sounds like, yeah, rah, rah, we're going to fight back, we're going to do all this stuff, just remember the person writing this is way on the other side of the issue. So they're purposely going to frame uh, the conversation to make their side look good. Even if it's a side you agree with, you always have to be kind of considering that. So anyways, support the Sportsman's Alliance to help us fight against Sleepy Joe and his cronies that are trying to make it more difficult for you and me to go hunting on federal public lands. All right, so next up we have a story out of Alaska. And this is a, the type of story that unfortunately I've heard, gosh, a multitude of times over the years. We have an Alaska man, 
uh, facing 21 felony charges for a phony moose guiding services. He said that the unlicensed guide allegedly cheated some 30 hunters out of a total of $59,000. This comes from OutdoorLife.com. So in Alaska, uh, a man has been indicted for offering hunting guiding services without the necessary licenses. Um, And he did help two clients harvest bull moose illegally. Um, This guy's name is Michael Beans. Mr. Bean, we can call him. 34 of St. Mary's. Um, He's facing two felony charges for Lacey Act violations uh, and 19 felony counts of wire fraud. So basically what he was doing, I was putting it out there that he was this guide and he was going to take people on these moose hunts. They would put deposits down on their hunts, pay him for these guiding services, uh, and then he would cancel the hunts on them and not refund any of their money. Uh, to a total of $59,000. And unfortunately, guys, this is not the first time we've heard this type of story. Uh, I've been hearing these stories. It seems like every year you find some outfitter somewhere that's done something similar. Um, It always, I guess, surprises me that in today's day and age, with all of the information that's out there, that if you're somebody that's going to go on something like an Alaska hunt, that you're not doing a little bit more due diligence on the people you're going hunting with. Uh, I would highly recommend um, calling people that have hunted with them before. Like when you're making, it's one thing if you, if you're me, right. And I live here in Illinois and I'm like, okay, I'm going to go on a Kansas deer hunt or I want to go to Ohio on a deer hunt, right? It's not that far away. Yes. It might be a couple thousand bucks, but it's not what it costs to go to Alaska, right? The travel expense, the time, the whole thing. I might be like, yeah, I'm going to go to Kansas on a hunt. I found this guy. He's going to do whatever for 1500 bucks. And okay, great. Maybe I'm not going to be as diligent with that. But if I'm going to Alaska and I'm taking probably two weeks and however much travel to get there and license cost and organizing logistics of getting meat shipped and trophies back and buying all the gear that you need for an Alaska hunt, like I am going to be so on top of my game with making sure that everything is on the up and up um, that I would hope that this wouldn't happen. So again, I just think in today's day and age, it's like, how do we let something like this happen? I don't know if the guy had a website, references, you know, something like that, but it is super important for everybody out there to just be diligent in this type of thing. Cause yeah, people were wiring this dude money. He was canceling the hunts and they were never getting it back. Um, so he could face up to five years in prison and a $250,000 fine. If convicted, as we all know, generally they don't go all the way in on these types of things. He'll, you know, get something less than that. Um, But yeah, I mean, there are a couple other reports that they had here. We had a guy, um, an Anchorage resident uh, in 2022, Stephen Hicks, got busted for selling unlicensed doll sheep guiding services, guiding on same-day airborne hunts, which, again, was something that we talked about uh, with the drones. I did mention that like in places like Alaska, if you fly in, you cannot hunt that day because they do not want you to be able to spot animals from the air and then go after them. Also got cited for wanton waste, hunting without tags and other stuff. He was sentenced to six months in prison, three years of unsupervised release, ordered to pay $13,000 in, in restitution. Um, 
So yeah, it's pretty crazy stuff that this is, again, still happening out there. But yeah, 21 felony counts. The Lacey Act violations, I believe, are going to stem from the unlicensed uh, guided hunts that he provided for people. And then those animals were, of course, transported across state lines uh, with this guy's help. So that automatically turns into a federal uh, Lacey Act violation, which you know increases your penalties there. All right, so next up, we're going to jump back to the Arkansas Democrat Gazette, which I'll be honest with you guys, I never thought I would go back to after the last article we had from them. But here we are shortly uh, after the last time, and there's an article, I believe this is the same fellow, Brian Hendricks, writes an article called Night Hunting Could Lessen Disease Spread in Deer. So if you recall, the last time we talked about Arkansas, we were talking about the removal of antler point restrictions so that hunters could harvest more bucks, specifically younger bucks, which scientists say uh, are more likely to spread and, and be vectors of disease transmission for CWD, right? So we've got CWD in Arkansas. So that's been a big topic lately. So somebody at a recent Arkansas game and fish meeting, um, came up with the idea of legalizing night hunting for deer to make it easier to shoot and kill more deer. So they're basically saying, if our goal is to reduce the deer population, let's make it easier for people to kill these things. I guess if that's your goal, it kind of makes sense, right? I mean, I'm going to read you an excerpt from this article. Night hunting is a logical solution apparently. Uh, it is illegal to hunt deer at night because it is so easy to kill deer at night. Now this part, I'm not sure if that's why it's illegal. I'm sure that's part of it. I'm going to go out on a limb and assume that safety is probably also a reason. You generally don't want people running around uh, at night with weapons shooting at things. So obviously stuff like positive identification of your target and what lies beyond your target, significantly more difficult at night than it is during the daytime. So again, going out on a limb, I'm saying, yeah, I don't think it's just because it's too easy to shoot stuff at night. We're probably trying to make sure that people don't get killed or injured in the process of doing this. Um, so because it's so easy, that's why it would be an effective tool for reducing CWD prevalence. Um, the AGFC, which is the Arkansas Game and Fish, staff shoots deer at night to gather test samples. They do the same thing here in Illinois. Lots of sharpshooting happens at night over corn piles where they're killing deer and then sampling them for CWD. So I think what they're saying is like, hey, if the Game and Fish can do it, why can't we? Um, to regulate night hunting activity on private land, the commissioner could uh, offer a night hunting license or the commission, I should say, could offer a night hunting license. So now we're into the, hey, we can make a little bit of extra money if we let people hunt at night and then charge them to do it. Uh, so I just thought it was an interesting thing that it was even uh, on the table. Um, here's the other thing they say. Hikers, cyclists, and other non-hunting visitors are absent from parks at night. So controlled hunts would be out of view and done quietly with suppressed rifles or big bore air rifles. Oh man, shooting deer with air rifles. Shooting deer with air rifles over a corn pile at night. Man, that sounds like a good time. I don't know if it'll get passed, but this is what they are, are talking about. So I don't know. It'll be interesting to follow along this one to see if this has legs anywhere. I, I can honestly say I never thought that... Um, I would see a, a legitimate proposal by a game commission or anybody involved with the game commission to allow night hunting. But 
here we are, everybody. It's 2023. Nothing should surprise us anymore. All right. So the next thing we're going to talk about here is just a super badass video that I, I don't know how I missed this. This video has been online for a year and I just saw it this week. It was actually shared by the Drury Outdoors Facebook page, maybe. Um, so this, this is amazing. There's a video. So it looks like it was taken July 11th of last year. And it's like security camera footage um, from somewhere in Wisconsin. Uh, so the story goes, groundskeeper or something like that, somebody that works on this. I don't know if it was a ranch or a, what, what was this? Uh, he was trimming trees around Nordic mountain country park, whatever that is. And he spotted a red tailed hawk dead on the ground. The guy's name is Chris Miller. So this guy's out working, trimming trees. He spots a dead hawk on the ground and he's like, well, what the hell killed this hawk? Right. This is crazy. Then he notices like, Hey, this hawk is literally in front of like a security camera that we have out here. So he goes back through the footage and what he finds is probably one of the coolest things I've ever seen. You see this hawk dive down from the sky. Like it looks like it just drops out of a tree, just plops down and it, it it's grabbing a rabbit. So it grabs this rabbit and the thing starts screaming. And it's the the same like squealing rabbit sound that you would make if you were out like coyote hunting or something like that. So this rabbit's just squealing, bawling as this hawk I'm sure is grabbing it. And all of a sudden out of nowhere, this doe comes flying in like like warp speed she comes flying in there and starts just pounding the shit out of this hawk to the point where she kills the thing uh, the only thing that i can think of is that she thought that was her fawn that was being attacked she must have had a fawn in the area and thought that it was like a, a bawling fawn distress call and she came in to rescue her fawn and inadvertently rescued a rabbit because you actually see the rabbit bounce away at some point but like, even after the rabbit bounces away, the hawk is still alive at this point. This doe just pounds the daylights out of this hawk until it's dead. It is absolutely incredible. I don't know how I missed this video. It's been online for a year, 2.6 million views. If you guys want to watch it, uh, YouTube search, incredible moment, deer defends rabbit from swooping hawk. It was posted by Dog Tooth Media. I don't know what dog tooth media is. Let's find out. Submit your video and earn cash. Oh, so it's one of these. They want you to turn your videos in. And if they go viral, they'll pay you for it. So there you go. Dog tooth media. I wonder how much money this guy made from sending this clip to dog tooth media. 2.6 million views. It'd make a couple grand at least. Good for him. So yeah, incredible moment. Deer defends rabbit. Let's see, their number, that's like their number four most viewed video on their channel. Number one is Scuba Diver Release, no, I'm sorry, Scuba Diver Rescues Whale Friend with Ropes. Uh, is it really his friend? Scuba Diver Rescues Whale Friend with Ropes Tied Around It. Like, oh, this is my friend, the whale. What was the whale in uh, Free Willy? <laughs> it was probably Willy, right? <laughs> was that the name of the movie? Was it Free Willy? Oh, man. And remember the kid, he's like, jump or something like this. And the thing goes over the seawall and off he goes out into the world because the evil sea world had Willie locked up. It was a good movie when I was a kid. What else do they have? Farm animals protect chicken friend. Is it big in the, into friend? I thought it said chicken fried. I'm not going to lie, but it said chicken friend from a hawk. So another one, these animals 
really protecting each other. Toddler sneaks out of bed to curl up with dog. That's it. 3.3 million views for that. So you're telling me if I set up like a trail camera in my kid's bedroom and we're in cahoots together, I get the dog in the kid's room and I like, I get my youngest one. He still looks pretty small. And I'm like, Jake, wait like five minutes for the dog to lay down and then sneak out of bed and go lay on this dog. We could get like a 3 million view video. That's all we need to do. Then we have the deer defending the rabbit. And then uh, rhino easily rolls buffalo over during clash. So a lot of animal stuff going on on this guy's channel. So those are his like top performers on dog tooth media. Farm animals protect chicken friend from hawk. Do you think they're really friends? Do animals have friends? I have this conversation with my kids a lot right? Because we're watching like Disney movies or things like that. And every time I see something happening in one of those movies where like a predator animal is friends with the prey, like the Lion King, right? Like Simba under no circumstance in the real world would be friends with Timon and Pumbaa. He would just eat them, right? That's just what they're wired to do. So every time I watch these movies, I like, I get pissed off. And then my wife yells at me for like, why do you have to say that stuff to the kids? I'm like, because I don't want my children growing up in a world where they think lions are friends with their prey. Animals don't have friends. That's what differentiates us from them. They don't have friends or opposable thumbs for that matter. So anyways, sorry for my rant, everybody. Let's get back on topic. So our last topic for today, this is a good one. This is the one where I'm like, we're going to talk about something cool or positive. This isn't really uplifting <laughs> per se, but I thought it was pretty cool. Uh, thank you to our editor at bowhunting.com, Mr. Brody Swisher, for sending this to me. Japan now has wild boar and venison vending machines. So apparently in Japan, through my research for this article, has like crazy amounts of like strange... I guess, strange by our standards, vending machines. You can get all sorts of stuff from vending machines in Japan. I don't know if this is accurate or if I can even, no, I shouldn't even say this. We're, just pretend I didn't think or say anything about one time I heard about a vending machine. I don't know if it was Japan or somewhere else where you could buy like underwear that somebody had worn previously. Very strange. Anyways, I don't know if that's an urban myth, or that's real. But this appears to be real because they have pictures of it. So uh, this article was in, I don't even know what this website is, soranews24.com. Um, so they have a variety of food vending machines, including, I, I thought this was interesting. I have to do some research on this. Uh, bags of wet potato chips. Brad, do you know what wet potatoes? And <laughs> the look on your face indicates you do not know about wet potato chips. Me neither. I feel like I should do some research about that. Like, are they, I wonder if they're crunchy potato chips that they then get wet and you eat them like they're just soggy, floppy chips. I don't know. We should look into this. Um, they have vending machines that sell ramen, sushi, sushi out of a vending machine. I mean, I, they got to They got to have it down to a science. So uh, this lady discovered a vending machine during her travels of, forgive me, I don't know how to say this, Wakayama, Wakayama City. Uh, so there's a vending machine located right next to the entrance to Inoya, which is a meat processing center for wild game, which I guess, I don't know why that surprised me when I saw the picture of it. Like they have wild game in every country and I'm sure people 
go kill them and you have to take them to like a butcher shop or a processor because it looks kind of like what you would expect a deer processor to look like here in the States. Uh, but there's a vending machine outside that is selling frozen packages. This is how they do it. It's frozen of venison and wild boar. Now, they didn't go into detail about like what type of deer it came from. I think Japan has whitetails, don't they, Brad? I think they do. I'm pretty sure Japan's got white. Somewhere over there has whitetails because I remember talking about how their whitetails have CWD. <laughs> it's somewhere over there in Asia. I think it's Japan. I could be wrong. Um, so I don't know if this is uh, CWD whitetail or some other sort of deer meat, but it is venison. So everything is priced at 1,000 yen, which I had no idea what that converted to, but this article says $7.50. Um so this lady made a purchase. She bought a 350 gram, which is 12 ounce pack of ground venison. Now, the pictures are awesome. We're gonna have to show the picture. She's like so happy. She's wearing gloves. I don't know why, but she's got her little package. Uh, so she bought uh, some frozen venison and some wild boar. The wild boar was sliced thin for flat grilling purposes. She brought it home and she made a couple tasty looking dishes. I'm not going to lie. Like I went through this and I was like, yeah, I would totally make that. She made like a spaghetti type dish out of the uh, venison, the ground venison. So yeah, there you go. Wild boar and venison vending machines. I feel like the US really needs to step our vending machine game up. Like after learning what they have in other countries, like why wouldn't we have better vending machines? Our vending machines just sell us poison. Speaking of which, I wasn't going to rant about this, but I want to end on a, on a bit of a rant that has pissed me off for a long time now. And I ranted on Dan Johnson's podcast. If you haven't listened to Dan Johnson, my good friend from Iowa, he is my good handicapped friend. He's missing a digit, actually got bit off by a wild boar, for those who don't know. Um, when Dan was very young, he was messing around with some wild boars and got his finger bit off. But anyways, we were talking about this one time. Over the last couple of years, and I can't say that I've seen this recently, so this is maybe not even in the last year or two, but there was a rash. There was a period of time, not an actual rash, but there was a period of time, there was a run of time where outdoor influencers were, were being sponsored and paid by Mountain Dew to post all sorts of Mountain Dew content on their channel. Like, oh man, going out to, you know, hang a trail camera. It's a good thing I got this Mountain Dew. And the, the problem that I have with that is we outdoor influencer personalities, we get a hard time for everybody about being sellouts and blah, 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 right? But what are the big things that the outdoor community loves to do? We love to talk about how healthy our food is and that we have this free-range, low-fat, antibiotic-free source of pure protein and the pictures of everybody holding their back straps up and all that stuff. And that's great. That is awesome stuff. But I will be damned if you're going to do that in one photo and then a month later turn around and promote what is possibly one of the worst substances health-wise that you could consider putting in your body because Mountain Dew offered you a couple hundred bucks to, to sponsor your social media posts. Like, how is it that we as an industry of whatever you want to call us, a hunting industry, have such low integrity 
that we could post both of those. Now, if you never post anything about being healthy or your food or working out or your lifestyle or anything on your Instagram, and you're just a relatively like unfit, unhealthy person, and then you want to go promote Mountain Dew, by all means, man, it kind of fits in your MO. I don't agree with it, but whatever, you should do it. But for anybody that's ever posted anything about being healthy, and there's a couple of them out there, I'm not going to name the names, but you guys know who you are. Like to see those people pushing Mountain Dew, like it just pissed me off to no end. It's just such a terrible thing. Like I think what's changed my mind on a lot of this stuff is having kids and wanting them to be healthy, wanting them to grow up understanding like why we hunt, the value of hunting, the value of the healthy lean meat that we get from it but then also trying to get them to avoid the pitfalls of modern society, which is all of the ultra processed, ultra sugary foods and drinks that we have. And the fact that like, I don't know why it pisses me off so bad that like Mountain Dew wants to come in to our, our little space and our community and they want to like market their poison to our people. Like it just pisses me off to no end. And again, I haven't seen this in a while. This was a year or two ago. I was seeing a bunch of rash of these posts and I was like, you want to talk about being a sellout. It's one thing to sell out, you know, and take sponsorship money from a company that you believe in, that's doing good things for the hunting industry, that makes a product that you believe in. It's a whole nother level of selling out when you're taking money from who owns Mountain Dew? Is it Coke, Pepsi? I don't know, one of the two. Somebody owns them. When you're taking money from the companies that are probably responsible for killing more Americans than any food company out there. Like when you think about heart disease and diabetes killing people at a pace that we can't even fathom, most of that is going to be attributed in large part to the sugary soda. So anyways, I'm off my high horse for today. I hope you guys enjoyed this week's episode of The Pinch Point. You know, speaking of Dan Johnson, him and I are going to connect here at some point in the next couple of weeks. We're going to have him on as a guest. My plan for Dan, he doesn't even know this, but my plan for Dan is I want to find a bunch of articles that we would normally talk about. I want to read the headlines and some excerpts to Mr. Dan, and I want to get his raw feedback and what his opinion is on some of the stuff that I'm going to share with him. I think that'll be fun. Dan's a, Dan's a fun guy. I always enjoy our conversation. So be on the lookout for that. It's coming in the next couple of weeks. Outside of that, I got nothing else. Be safe, be healthy, enjoy life. We'll see you guys next week right here on The Pinch Point.